My favorite definition of belonging comes from Chris Brogan, who wrote about it in his book, The Freaks Shall Inherit the Earth. He wrote, fitting in often means shaving off your unique edges, hiding and masking what defines you, discarding any behaviors or appearances or images that prompt others to question you or push away from you. Belonging is about finding that place where you finally let out a deep breath you had no idea you were holding and feeling with great certainty that the people around you understand you. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So you hear me talking about belonging a lot because I firmly believe that business is about belonging. And I believe that because life is about belonging. So when people feel like they belong with you, particularly the customers that you want to serve, they will reward you with their loyalty. The same thing goes with your team. But belonging can feel elusive. It can feel like something that's intangible, making it hard for brands to show the customers they're serving that they do indeed belong with them. So in today's episode, I sat down with an expert on belonging who has not only studied the shocking impact of what happens to people when they don't feel like they belong, but she also provides practical insight and components that are needed to ensure the people you serve feel like they belong with you. So after this short break, we'll get into this fascinating conversation. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Uni, thanks so much for joining me today. How are you? Oh, Sonia, I am so good today, and I'm so happy to be here and having a a chat with you. All right. Well, I'm really excited to dig into this area. But before we do, who are you and what do you do? Ooh, where do I begin? Um, So I'm Uni Turatini. I'm a former attorney. I worked in law and finance for almost a decade uh, before I quit to stay home with my two small babies. And Staying at home wasn't just wasn't for me. I needed, you know, I needed something. Although I love my kids more than anything, my family more than anything, I needed something for me, something to feel like I was contributing and, uh, yeah, and using, you know, just different parts of my capabilities too. So I uh, started writing and I wrote a book about these lone wolf mass shooters. And uh, which was after we had this horrific, horrific um, incident in Norway in 2011, where Anders Breivik, a young man, 32 year old, killed 77 people in one day. And even though I I didn't live in Norway at the time, I lived most of my adult life abroad. I really, that was such a devastating blow to to my country, to me. And this was really our 9-11 in Norway. And 
I needed to know, Sonia, how someone seemingly out of the blue could become a mass killer overnight. And of course, it didn't happen overnight. And that's what I discovered when I started studying him and other similar mass killers around the world. And what I found was that they all struggled with belonging. They wow. didn't feel like they had a place in our society. Wow. And I knew that feeling because that's what I had felt growing up, moving around so much because of my dad's work. But even, even though I was now living in Switzerland, I had had an amazing career in law and finance. I had married the best man I could have wished for, and I had an amazing network of people around the world. I still felt empty and I still felt like I hadn't found my place. So learning that these killers struggled with this and that this was something that I resonated with, that led me down the path of researching human connection and loneliness. So that's what I did for years, Sonia. Wow. And then what I wanted to do with all that is I wanted to help other people in similar situations. And I started working with with leaders and teams and companies to help them because I knew that if I was feeling that way, chances are other people were too. And what I found also was, and we have tons of research that to back this up, is that when people are disconnected from themselves, when they're feeling lonely, when they're feeling um, like they don't have their place, mm -hmm. either at home or at their company, they are less productive and they're less engaged. Yeah. So, wow. Like, I just want to pause there, right? Like, what a what a story. Um, and I think it's fascinating that you were able to connect the dots there because I don't think that people talk enough about, like, belonging, of course, is the end result. But I don't think that a lot of times we consider what is on the other end of belonging Mm -hmm. Or whenever some, what's, like, what's on the other side of the spectrum? How do people get there and what is the impact? Sounds like this is one extreme mass murders. And, you know, hopefully we don't get people to that point. Like people don't get to that point. Yeah. But what have you found have been sort of the negative impacts of when people don't feel like they belong? That's a great question. And when I first started talking about loneliness and disconnection, and this was years ago, nobody wanted to talk about it. And as a speaker, as an international speaker and working with, you know, companies and, 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 and conferences, I was told, Uni, just, you know, talk about your thing, but like, don't talk about loneliness because yeah. nobody wants to hear it because we don't have that here. And I was like, okay, <laughs> they're not ready. Because the thing is, is that what's traditionally what we think of when we think of loneliness is people who are socially isolated, who yeah. live in remote places, who don't have people around them. Right. And that's just not the case. Loneliness today, most people, a majority of the people who feel lonely today are actually surrounded by people. They have mm -hmm. families, they have friends, they have colleagues, and yet they feel unfulfilled in their relationships. Okay. And to the other side of that too, you can be alone and be perfectly happy. Yes. So as an introvert myself, I need time alone because that's how I recharge my batteries. But, you know, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, even when you have people around you, you can feel lonely. And what I found, Sonia, and that this is something that we really don't talk about enough, 
is that even if you have people around you, the reason why you feel disconnected, the reason why you feel unfulfilled in your life and lonely is because you are disconnected from yourself. Okay. And that took me a long time to really reconcile with myself because that's exactly what I was dealing with. Right. I was disconnected from myself. Okay. So how do we get to a point? Because one of the things that I'm always talking about are that businesses, brands, leaders need to work to make sure that they are creating environments where the people they serve feel like they belong whether it's the customers that they're serving, the people on their team, the people that they're interacting with need to feel that. So how, am I understanding it correctly that it's basically more of an internal thing first or are there things that other people can do externally to sort of help people get to that place of feeling like they belong? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Sonia. It is, and it is, it is both actually. Okay. So what what the the U.S. Surgeon General he um, so eloquently talks about the three levels of connection that we all need in order to feel fulfilled. Okay. And the first one is um, intimate connection, which is typically a spouse or or can also be a best friend. Okay. Or, or you know very close you know close relatives. And then we have the second level, which is um, social connections, which okay. is, you know, the, the larger, you know, friendships, colleagues. And then you have the third level of connection, which is the societal connection, that okay. feeling that you actually belong here, that okay. you belong in this group or this community or this city or this country. Okay. And we need all of those three. So you yes. can see, you can have, you can have fulfillment in, in two of them, but if you lack for example, the intimate connection, then you will feel lonely, even if you right. have the other two. Right. But what, what I found that was missing from that equation was the connection to the self. That is what I found is even if you have all these other three, right. if you are disconnected from yourself, then you won't be able to really feel fulfilled in any of those three. Okay. And and what I found and this is especially true now after the pandemic and you know we're we're sort of still sometimes like even you know I mean a lot of companies a lot of people are still working from home and we're still sort of right coming out of that but what I found is that most people the majority of people today even if you're not struggling with loneliness they are dealing with survival mode. We are still in survival mode. This fight or flight mode, even if we're not aware. And symptoms of that is you can feel disconnected. You can feel a bit scattered. You can yes. feel overwhelmed. So even those sort of subtle, that can yeah. also be other things. We don't think of them necessarily as a lack of belonging or as a lack of, but they are a disconnection. And anxiety, a lot of anxiety, um, depression, feeling that you're just not, there's something off, but you can't quite put your finger on it. Yeah. All those are symptoms of a disconnection from the self. And most likely being in living in survival mode, because what happens when we're in survival mode is that we, as a species, we were built to be able to, you know, to survive, to escape from, from an enemy you know, this, this freeze, you know, uh, fight or flight. And what happens is your brain cuts off a large part of your, of, of the rest of your brain. You don't have access to your frontal lobe, which is mm -hmm. the decision maker. 
that where you actually see the bigger picture, where yeah. you can access, you know, other resources that you don't necessarily need in in this moment to fight an enemy or or flight from it. But you need it for the bigger pictures and, and you need it for your sort of long-term strategy, all those things. And when we don't have access to that, we can feel as if we are, you know, there's there's really something missing because something is missing. Yeah. So it's it's that fight or flight that we need to get out of. And what I find um, is that that is something that I work on myself to deactivate survival mode and I do it daily. And that is what I also teach um, leaders and teams tools in order to deactivate this at work and at home. Yeah. All right. So, so many good things that you have there. So I'm curious, whenever you are coaching, you're giving your keynotes in a business setting, how do you advise leaders and companies and brands to provide some of those other pillars that people need to feel like they belong, um, whether it's like a societal or, you know, in that group set, like, how do you, how do you advise them to go about doing that? Yeah, a great question. Well, the, the first thing that we need to work on is to help the employees and leadership to deactivate survival mode. So giving them okay. tools, giving them um, short med- meditations that they can do 10 minutes every morning when they get to the office, you know, and they can do these individually, right? They can get a, you know, download that they can that it can do every morning. They can also facilitate, you know, group meditation, group movement as well. A lot of companies do that, mm-hmm. but they don't necessarily know why and to the effect. But if when you know why you're doing something, it also makes it so much more efficient. So explaining to them why it is important mm-hmm. and also how and knowing for leaders to know that your work life is not separate from your personal life. Yeah. How you live, how you are in your personal life affects your work life and, yeah. and vice versa, right? So yeah. we need to give people tools to help them uh, to be more resilient in their lives in general and to thrive in general. So giving them tools to then deactivate survival mode and also to build community, to trans, I like to say that the workplace is really just a tool yeah. for community. It's a tool for connection and belonging. So if we can think of the workplace in that way and also explain, come from that angle when you have a, a return to office policy. Yeah. Instead of, you know, I see this so so much that companies implement these, these you know, return to office policies and their employees who have now been used to working from home yeah. are, you know, they're like, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be part of that. Yeah. And they're protesting because they don't know why. They yeah. don't know what, you need to understand why you're doing something that is actually to your benefit. Yeah. If you want your employees to, to go along with it, with a yeah. policy. Right. Yeah. So, um, you, you said, that leaders need to deactivate survival mode. Mm -hmm. And that just kind of sent off like a light bulb in my head because so often people from underrepresented and underserved communities feel an extra burden, whether they're the only one or one of the few in the room. So whether it's, you know, because of race, whether because of gender, whether it's because of some disability that they have and they feel like, 
They're surrounded by ableism everywhere they go. That whether or not they know it, they are probably operating in a bit of survival mode in addition mm-hmm. to doing their job, which has a negative impact, not only on their sense of belonging with the, the people that they're working with, but how they show up. I worked in corporate for nine years once I finished business school. And one of the things that I realized later was that when I started to have um, some health challenges, I realized that stress is a trigger of me for, for me. Yeah. And I yeah. also realized that I was operating in a chronic state, a, a state of chronic low-grade stress, but it was chronic stress, right? Mm-hmm. And as a result of you know building my own business, I was changing my environment and that had a positive impact, right? Yeah. Um, and I imagine that I think I'm starting to see more and more data of people talking about, particularly I think I saw data around Black talent and how the return to work for them is especially stressful because mm. at home, they weren't experiencing the same degree of microaggressions and other mm-hmm. things that happened. So now there's like this added degree of stress of having to return back because they're returning back to an environment that yeah. they didn't feel like they belong in. So yeah. anyway, I would just, that was kind of the thing, one of the things that that activated for me of you have to get people out of this survival mode. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's not the correct term that you use, but you have to get them out of that mode yeah. before you can act- actually move them to a place to where you have to make them feel safe, right? Um, so- exactly. Exactly. You get them, you get people out of, you know, you deactivate survival mode, you help yes. them do yes. that. And that brings a sense of psychological safety as well. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, and I think you're bringing up a really important point because uh, minorities have felt these microaggressions and have been living in fight or flight for so long. Right. And leadership, we haven't been aware, or maybe that's, I'm giving them too much credit, but there is, there wasn't, hasn't been a willingness to do much about it. Maybe also because we didn't know how. Yeah. Right. So, but now that we know, now that we know that this, disconnection from self, the survival mode is actually unhealthy to not only to individuals, but also to the organization and the company bottom line. Yeah. There is, we're starting to see an interest in doing something about it. Yeah. And so I think that, and, and, and also what I like about the approach that we have to this now that we're starting to have is that this affects everybody. Yeah. So this is not a burden that you think you should have because you you feel microaggressions. This is right. this is a really good way to tackle the microaggressions and the survival mode that minorities have been dealing with yeah. for for ages. Yeah, and to do that also, but to to let them know that you are not the only one. Yeah, you are, this is not just you. This is for everyone. But we're tackling it for everyone so that yeah. they don't feel um, sort of that this is, you know, a sort of a burden yeah. uh, on them. Yeah. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. 
well, with the server solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs in a full 360 view of every customer so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. Okay, so what are your thoughts on ways that brands can help more of the customers they serve feel like they belong. Because I I see so much of the connection between how you treat people internally is Mm -hmm. indicative of how you're going to be treating them externally. Um, But a lot of times, unfortunately, people don't move unless it's something that they feel is directly connected to their bottom line. And I firmly believe that belonging from a customer standpoint, will increase a brand's sales and increase their loyalty beyond what they probably can even imagine, right? So um, what are your thoughts on ways companies and brands might actually help the people that they're serving from a consumer standpoint feel like they belong? Oh, great question. That is actually, to me, that is, I talk about it in the form of creating relational energy. Okay. We know that relationships is what people are longing for. Yes. We're we're relational beings, all of us. Yes. So we need to create more relational energy, which is really just the energy that is created in every single social interaction. Okay. And we know how we feel when relational energy is neutral or negative. Okay. That's when you get out of the meeting or you've been talking to someone or maybe at a dinner party or at a lunch and you come back and you feel drained. Yeah. You feel oh, like there's something, you know, yeah. you feel like you're tired. You know, yeah. you, you need a nap. Yeah. And you feel a little down even. Yeah. That's negative relational energy. Okay. What we want to do, and this is important, this is internal, but also external with our customers yeah. and potential customers is to create more relational energy. And okay. it's really not that hard. Yeah. People want to feel seen. People want to feel heard and they want to feel valued. So if you can give people that, if you can give them your undivided attention and something as simple as, you know, our phones. Yeah. When you put down your phone and you put it away, that is a sign today that you are telling someone that you are more important to me. Yeah. So often, and I see this all the time, people with their customers, they have their phones right here and they're sort of multitasking and checking a message and and an email there while they're speaking to their customers. Yeah. That's not a way, that's not how you create relational energy. Give people your undivided attention. Also help them. I always, if there's one thing that we can do to create, and this is something that all of us can do, it's so simple. It's the simplest way to create relational energy. And the abbreviation for it is hope. Okay. Help one person every day. Yeah. So if you have a customer and you, you know, you know your customers, yeah. you know if there's something that they need, maybe it's not even work related. Maybe it's yeah. something personal. And it's often it's not that much. It doesn't take a lot of energy 
to help them with this, help them with something, refer yeah. them, you know, refer them to someone. Maybe if you can't, if you know that you cannot help them, re- refer them to someone who can. Yeah. This goes so far. And what happens when we create relational energy, relational energy really is a superpower because it creates this this chain of reactions. Yeah. The first reaction is emotional. It makes you feel good, mm-hmm. right? It's this emotional makes us feel, you know, we, we feel good. We feel yeah. like we're valued. Yeah. And this is really important. Today with, with depression on the rise, all these mental health issues that we're dealing with, feeling good is actually really important. Yes. The second reaction is cognitive, meaning it increases your focus, your, your mental capacity, your memorization, and your concentration. And those two together, the emotional, plus the cognitive makes you more productive and potentially more successful. Yeah. So what we what we really want to focus even though it may sound silly and like it's nothing, we want to focus on creating more relational energy in all of our social interactions every single day. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. And I think it makes it not feel so daunting or so mm-hmm woo woo for lack of a better term like what does that even mean belonging what does that even like how do I like and so if I think if you you figure out how can you create that connection and that relational energy which really that root of it is we have to treat people like people right yeah and ultimately one of the things that I I love to share with brand leaders is that you have to treat the people that you serve as if they're your friends mm-hmm. and if you and you treat your friends with a different degree of care than you do someone who you're just trying to get them to buy some of your stuff right mm-hmm. um and yeah. that makes a you have a relationship with them and it changes so much of how you interact um so i really love that this has been fantastic i am super curious for you personally can you tell me about a time where a brand that you interacted with as a consumer made you feel like you belonged? Oh, great question. Um, (laughs) I need to think about that. Yeah. (laughs) Because it doesn't happen every day. And that is what it's so daunting to me. Like that's, it's such, it's so surprising that we don't experience, this is something that we should experience daily. Yes. Right? Yes. To have that, feel that special care. But actually, you know what? I have an example. Okay. Um, this is my my bank. Okay. I needed to set up a new account for, you know, for my business. And now everything banking in Norway is online. Okay. And it was really hard to, for some reason, there there had some technical issues, didn't work, and I was complaining about it. And for me, I had no hopes of actually speaking to someone, but someone reached out to me oh, yeah. to tell me that we're so sorry that we're experiencing this issue. And they followed up every single day with me to make sure that I, you know, that it was in place to make sure that they were letting me know that they were working on it. And they were so sorry that it was taking time. And every single, you know, they were checking in to see, you know, if, can you let us know when it has been put in place. Mm -hmm. And to me, that was such, I I really felt that they cared about me as a, as a customer. You, I felt seen, I felt valued. Someone actually took the time out of their busy schedule 
to give me a call and check up on me. That is, is and it doesn't take much, but it's no. a, I think it's a great example yeah. of that special customer care that you, that we don't see so much anymore. Yeah. And it's the easiest thing to do. Yeah. And then you get so much loyalty as a result of mm-hmm. it, which it, it goes along a little bit really does go a long way. So that's right. I yeah, love that right. example. All right. Um, any parting words of wisdom for marketers and business leaders who want to do a better job of ensuring that the people that they serve feel like they belong with them? Yeah, absolutely. In, when you create relational energy, even if it's if it's an email in writing uh, on a website or um, if you're speaking to to your your customers, you want to think of them as if as you said, as if they're a close friend. Mm -hmm. And as if you are at the receiving end of this, what are their pain points? What are they looking for? What would they want to hear from you? Mm -hmm. What would make them feel good, safe, and valued? Mm -hmm. So communicate in that way, always with thinking of if if it was you in, in, in that seat, what would you need to hear? What would you want to hear? Right. Very good. I love it. Thank you so much. This has been a blast. I learned so much. I'm glad there's so much data and science around this. And I hope I'm yeah. sure poor people will feel like they have some very tangible, actionable things that they can do um, to get started, make an improvement. So thank you again for stopping by. Thank you, Sonia, so much for having me. All right. Can I tell you how much I loved that conversation with Uni? I mean, there were just so many interesting tidbits and feedback, and it really just goes to a concept I talked about way back when in episode number seven, what happens to people most brands exclude? I'll drop a link to that in the show notes in case you want to have a listen. So one of the things that we need to focus on as we are building and growing our brands is to ensure that we are thinking hard about the experiences that we deliver and the culture that we're cultivating that ensures that all of the people we've chosen to serve feel like they belong with us. It's a big responsibility, but the impact, the impact on people's lives and the transformation that they are able to receive from interacting with your brand and the feeling that they get as they're going through it is definitely worth all the effort. As a brand, you definitely don't want to be contributing to causing any additional harm to anyone, especially because they don't feel included or they don't feel like they belong So let's definitely elevate belonging to the level of importance that it warrants. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Next week, we're going to continue along with this series on belonging, where we actually go through and you're going to hear from real people talking about specifically examples of whenever they felt like they belonged with a brand. So you don't want to miss that. It'll be a lot of fun. If you like the show, we like the show overall, I would so appreciate it if you would leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. It really does go a long way towards helping more people discover the show. Another way to help the show is to share it with your friends, colleagues, and your network. The more people we have listening, the more people we have internalizing these principles, the more people we will be able to impact to ensure that they feel like they belong. All right, another very important question for you. Are you getting the inclusion and marketing newsletter? If not, like really, 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 what are you even doing? Each week I send tips, stories, inclusion news, 
and other important insights to help you build an inclusive brand that makes more of the people you serve feel like they belong with you, that helps you grow and and better do a better job at engaging with underrepresented and underserved communities, which now I've heard a term that's calling them underestimated communities, which I really like that as well. I'm going to drop a link for you in the show notes for how to get on the list for the inclusion and marketing newsletter. Um, you can also just go to inclusionandmarketing.com slash newsletter to get signed up. Today is Thanksgiving Day in the U.S. If you are celebrating Thanksgiving, have a wonderful, lovely, lovely, lovely time, um, hopefully with friends, family, and loved ones, thinking about and leaning into those things that you are thankful for. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's use our individual and collective power to ensure more people feel like they do. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon.